Elon Musk is finally in charge of Twitter. Hey, Bankless Nation, it is November 2022 already. David, what time is it? Ryan, it's the Bankless Friday weekly roll-up where we cover the entire weekly news in crypto, which is always an ambitious endeavor, yet we persevere into the frontier of crypto, nonetheless, with what, Ryan? A cup of coffee. Yeah. I'm drinking one. Do you yeah. have one? Literally? No, I, I, I'm at, I'm oh, it's just max. something you say. I'm You're not max. taking your own advice, David. No, I had I brewed one one pour over <laughs> in my Chemex and I drank the whole thing, and that's enough. <laughs> you got to loot yourself. I mean, <laughs> but like a few weeks ago, you came in here with three. You really yeah, jacked up I, on coffee. I, I drank like two or three sips of the third, and I had to pour it out. It's like this is going to be this to give me too much. Yeah, yeah. The, well, you get uh, the diminishing returns on the flavor. The flavor, it's yeah, and it becomes not even about the flavor. It becomes it's, about it's the, the kind fix. of the caffeine yeah. hit, and then you, mm -hmm. you like you know you start to know you have a problem. Yeah. Um, and then you're you just know. owned by the caffeine, and you know on Bankless Ryan, I'm just not about being owned. The self-sovereign individual. Yeah, right. You don't yeah. want to be owned by caffeine. Free, freedom, you don't want to be yeah. owned by carbs. Yeah, you don't want to be owned exactly. by banks. Yeah. My God, what a freedom maximalist. Get these dopamine hits out of my face. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you didn't know you're signing up for an anti-coffee movement, but I suppose you are, even though David tells you to drink a cup of coffee with the, the weekly roll-up. David, we got some exciting topics for the week. First, Elon Twitter takeover and what mm -hmm. this means for crypto. We're going to dive into that. What else? Uh, coming up after that, Meta and Instagram going full send into NFTs. What does that even mean? And then, of course, Ryan, we were talking about this before the show. You and I both like Rick and Morty. Uh, did you know the Rick and Morty creator is in the world of NFTs in a big way? Art gobblers, it's called. Art gobblers. Gobble, yeah. gobble, gobble, gobble. That, that was big. I feel like almost NFTs are back. We're going to get into all of that, guys. Yeah, it's, it's not your typical NFT drop, that's for sure. It's not. It's not. All right, Bitcoin price. What are we looking at this week, David? Bitcoin, start of the week at 20,600, down 1.7-ish percent to 20,300. Not that much. Not that much. That's noise. Down a little bit. And how about ETH? ETH, flat, start of the week at 1550, ending the week at 1550. 1550. Interesting. 1550 is the number. Uh, number. 1550. And then, so what does that mean for the ratio? Uh, ratio is up 1.7%, start, uh, starting the week at 0 0.075, ending the week at 0 0.076. Probably noise. I mean, ratio is still noise. climbing a little bit, but like bit. not much on the week. Yeah. Uh, does this mean anything to you? Um, I mean, we, we like that 0.75 and above number. That's for sure. How about uh, total crypto market cap? We above or below a trillion? Uh, above a trillion, 1.052 trillion, up about one, uh, 10, 10 billion dollars versus last week. The highs on that uh, trillion is we got to three trillion last market cycle. Wow. Twenty. That was back in November 2021. Do you know that was the top? Yeah, I'm reminded of that meme of Wolverine just like longingly looking at uh, <laughs> that picture. Yeah. Do you know, are, are you like, so I wasn't really excited about that. You were excited at the top? No, I, I just felt like there was still, like there was a lot of froth. I mean, yeah, it felt Luna, dirty. the Algos, it felt dirty. It felt and dirty. Just like the ICO mania felt dirty. Yeah. It, felt mani it felt dirty in like late 2017 and it felt also dirty in like late 2021 like i was happy about some of the but but there's there's clearly so much that needed to be flushed out yeah. and uh so yeah once again this is kind of a, a healthy process let's talk about the fed it's what they're doing healthy i'm not so sure we'll see stocks tumble after fed signals rate hikes are here to stay so the fed of course announced that they are increasing rate hikes they're increasing interest rate by 75 basis points that was pretty much expected and uh, just to go through a recap of history, the 2022 hike so far, March, we went up 
25 basis points, so 0.25%. In May, 50 basis points. And we had four straight uh, basis point hikes of 0.75, 75 basis points. And so now the Fed fund uh, range is 3.75 to 4.0%. That's where we are now. At first, stocks were excited about this and kind of happy, David. Uh, And then prices took a tumble uh, especially when, particularly when Powell said, we have a ways to go. This is not quite a direct quote. It's, it's sort of a, uh, a summary. Yeah. He said, it's premature to think about pausing rates. The possibility of a soft landing is narrowed because inflation has not come down with the rate hikes. That is what we're looking at. An analyst said there were no hints of dovishness to indicate that the Fed may be poised to pause. What do you think about this? Yeah, I mean... I think this is par for the course is more or less what we've been expecting. There's nothing really new here. I think the market is starting to get like fatigued about like asking the question pivot soon. Uh, and like, there's like, there's two players in the market. There's like, ha, like crypto prices went from 1300 to 1600. Like we're off the floors, like bear market rally. And people are just like all being super naive that like the global macro economy is still kind of going to shit. Uh, and like, that is a long process, not a short process. So we're like punctuated by this overall bear market by like short term blips of like liveliness in, in markets. Uh, but then when we zoom out, we're like, oh, it's, it's still bad. Still pretty bad. Well, uh, what do you think about our, uh, episode? with macro elf earlier this week was that sort of um is that was that what you expected or was that more bearish than than you expected yeah that's kind of where i started thinking like god uh, like this sh- there's if you zoom in on the charts things don't look so bad things look like kind of choppy with some ups and some things to be happy about but if you the more you zoom out the more it looks like damn we are in a downtrend and that downtrend has not been broken and macro elf and other people are like yeah guys the downtrend uh it's going to continue being a downtrend yeah you know, he's like it's it part is. of the cycle and that's yeah. what 2023 is going to be as yeah. as well it's either flat or down we're not flat, going to recover it's, it's sounds like 2023's flat is like best case scenario. Yes. And then Macro Elf thinks that there could be a cyclical change, you mm-hmm. know, starting around 2024, but we still have a ways to go. Is it's like the, the meme the is like, yes, the, the pivot is coming, but not yet. If the pivot's coming when like Bitcoin is below $10,000, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that might mark the a floor. Here's a take from Pablo Macro. Okay, quickly on the Fed, no pause coming. Harder landing is likely, is what was said among many other things. But what was unsaid? Here's what was unsaid. Powell was asked about a plus 50 basis point in December, and he dodged saying, it's about the pace what level we got, we get to, and how long we stay there. But he left it open. But also, he left open 75 basis points, and he implicitly left 100 basis points open in all caps here. He does not know. The road is wide open. So the chairman is leaving all possibilities on the table. No dovish talk. Um, And he also talked about inflation is where it was a year ago. If that is Powell. He needs to go to 8%, 3% real inflation. He will do it because he has an alphabet soup of programs he can use to pick up the pieces. He would rather break stuff and then patch it back together because that is easier than letting it get entrenched. So I think pa- uh, Paulo Macro here is saying that um, the Fed will, like from everything that Powell is saying, he is incredibly hawkish and he wants to break the back of inflation. Uh, and he's not going to change course until he starts to see inflation uh, recede. And he'd rather get to the point of actually breaking things 
because it's easier to piece them back together uh, than to cause kind of, um, you know, the, the precipitous, than to correct the precipitous problem of, of inflation, which uh, we're plagued with. So there's that take, David. I guess my only counter maybe to this take is just because Powell wants to break inflation and he wants to be hawkish doesn't mean he actually gets to do that. Mm. So it's not like central banker Jerome Powell has infinite power and the ability right. to do exactly what he wants. There are constraints. And one of the chief constraints is political will. Right. So what happens if the politicians start to push him back, try to rein him in? We've seen reaction to the politics of, of the scenario uh, from Powell before. And um, I think that could mean like, just because Powell is saying these things, just because this is his intent, what he would do if he were emperor God King, he is not any of those things and has to respond to the political climate as well, which might mean a pivot will come sooner than he would wish. What's your thought? Yeah, that was the other thing that stuck out to me about the macro alf um, uh, episode that we did. And it's just like so aligned with everyone who's in macro, like Dalio, Lynn Alden, all these people that are like long-term cycle focused people. Like there's this universal acceptance that like once you go above the Federal Reserve, it's the people and it's the structures of power. And it's like the people that are in power want to stay in power. And the only reason that they stay in power is they make like the plebs of the world not upset, which makes like Powell uh, beholden to the emotional like aggregate of the entire economy. Uh, and so like the the. the riled upness of, of the people of the world actually does matter. It's like part of like fundamentals. It's like how riled up is the people? Well, and that goes to kind of the next chart we wanted to show. This is a, a chart showing the uh, personal savings rate. That's the blue line here that you see. Personal savings rate of citizens in the US. And then the red line here is the consumer loans rate. So this is credit cards, other revolving plans. And look at this, this is pro the past since um, since the early 2000s. So I'll scroll this all the way to early 2000. Uh, and you see the blue line, personal uh, savings rate, you know, kind of like uh, edging in, in between um, five and let's call it 10% or so. And then during COVID, look what happened. Stimulus checks, uh, 2022, Roaring we shot 20s, up to yeah. mm -hmm. a, a personal savings rate of about uh, like close to 35% at its peak. And that was in March of, of 2020 when Americans right. had a lot of money in the bank. And Plus you also, they started to pay off their credit cards and other debt. You can see like as personal savings jumped up to like basically, you know, all time highs since this chart shows, it's the one time you actually see consumer loans actually go, go down. down. Yeah. So credit yeah. card debt is being paid off a little bit here. But what you see from uh, March of uh, 2020 up to now is this not not so gradual, I would say, pretty steep decline in personal mm -hmm. savings rate all the way, David, to where we are now is uh, we have Lows. less than 5%. Lows since 2002. 3.1% personal yeah. savings rate. So we are- Meanwhile, the consumer loans line just skyrockets to all-time highs. So now yes. we're even in a worse place. And to get a benchmark, this is kind of like, it's not necessarily all-time, all-time lows, but uh, for the past chart, 20 chart years, lows. Yeah, right. we're, we're at the chart lows. And this is lower, David, than or about the same as 2008, okay? which is pretty crazy to me. So at yeah, the same personal savings rate right now as 2008. And do you remember what 2008 felt like? I mean, I, mean, I was it, a naive little kid, so. It did not mm -hmm. feel like good times. Yeah. 
it did not feel like good times. And so we're back there again. So this is what um, Powell, I think, has to has to balance mm. Fed actions and all politicians do is like uh, Americans, I think people around the world, but this chart is, is um, the U.S. in particular. There's a lot of pain right now. People are out of savings. Yeah. Look at this debt, David. This the, the consumer debt is at all time highs as well. Yeah. It, that that is the most aggressive line up and to the right on this whole chart. And like the the thing is like we're at this point now where we're like all, all time like chart highs on consumer loans loans chart lows on personal savings rate. And if it just like stays here, if it stays flat, that's like you know the like boiling the frog. Like if it stays here, it's bad. Like, yeah. and it's, and it's trending upwards. I mean, no wonder this is a, uh, from our Ben Hunt episode. No wonder everyone's at each other's throats. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like. We're not growing the pie. We're dividing the pie. We're not growing the pie. We're absolutely yeah. dividing the pie. That's what's happening right now. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's the macro situation looking a bit grim. So let's talk about some brighter news on the, uh, the crypto side of things. And what's this number we're looking at? Yeah, this is Pseudo Theos tweeting out the real flipping already happened. Layer twos now regularly execute more transactions than layer one Ethereum. The day has finally arrived. We got more transactions on Ethereum's layer twos than its own layer one. Arbitrum leading the way uh, with, I think, uh, of past days, transactions per second, 4.5 transactions per second versus Ethereum's 11, basically 12. Uh, but that's because Arbitrum's not even congested. I think the numbers for Arbitrum is Arbitrum has scale for up to seven Ethereum's, 11 Ethereum's, although uh, the technical teams will say that that, me that metaphor doesn't make any sense, but it's still useful. Uh, and so coming up after Arbitrum's four and a half transactions per second, we have Immutable's four transactions per second. Optimism's three and a half. DYDX is 2.6. And when you add all these things together, Ethereum's layer two ecosystem has been uh, doing more transactions than the Ethereum layer one. Uh, cool. And Amazing. that's been the case uh, since Yeah, October. wow, that's been the case for a while. Yeah. Oh, the reason why we know this is because Layer2B, this website that we go to all the time, Layer2B.com, shipped this new thing called Activity, this new tab called Activity. Uh, so we actually get to like consume this data a lot easier. So thank you, Layer2B, for shipping such a great feature. Yeah, the red line is uh, Layer2 transaction activity, and the mm -hmm. blue is Ethereum. And it's been higher than Ethereum since... Um, October. Since For October. A month, almost a month now. Click on Arbitrum, see if we can see the uh, transaction activity just of Arbitrum. Uh, activity? No activity. Oh, yeah, activity. All right. Oh, that is great. Oh, these are some great charts. Uh, so Arbitrum activity looking like it's kind of coming to its bay. Yeah, it's all-time highs. Hit max. Hit that max just to make sure. Max number. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a great looking chart. Nice job, Arbitrum. Look at that. Look at that activity. That's right. awesome. Arbitrum is like 62%, uh, I think, of all um, all Ethereum transactions right now. Cool. Um, it's pretty impressive. When you add it all together, average transactions per second on layer twos are about 16 versus mm. Ethereum that's 11. So this is how Ethereum is scaling right now. It's, right. it's really exciting to see layer twos uh, catch on like this. Um, also, Taking a look at total locked value, did you know, speaking of Arbitrum, Arbitrum just surpassed Solana in terms of total locked value. David, do you see this chart? What's interesting to you about this one? Uh, let's see. <laughs> the interesting thing is that Binance Smart Chain and Tron are such a goddamn large percentage. <laughs> uh, Binance Smart Chain is okay. Tron's not. Uh, but Arbitrum, yeah, coming in bigger than Solana. There's a lot of uh, old OG bankless theses finally coming into fruition here. Yep, so it's fall, but... I guess layer two summer is finally here. Question mark, David. <laughs> <laughs> oh We've been calling it for a while. Don't say it. Don't say it. What do we got coming up next? 
Coming up next, we got the Elon Twitter takeover and all the drama associated with that. Is Elon rumored, Ryan, Elon is rumored to be, be laying off 50% of the staff tomorrow, our tomorrow, listeners today. Wow. Uh, so we'll see if he follows through with, with that. Uh, Instagram and Meta full sending into NFTs. We'll talk about all the features and capabilities that they have unlocked. And art gobblers, you gotta feed the art gobblers their art. <laughs> we're gonna talk about what the hell that means, all of this and more. But first, we're gonna talk about some of these fantastic sponsors to help you go bankless. Elon Musk is finally in charge of Twitter. This was happening while we were recording the weekly roll up last week, but we knew there was gonna be a bunch of drama over the next five days, so we decided to wait. Uh, so, uh, Elon Musk coming in hot into Twitter, firing people left and right, pew, pew, pew. Uh, he's fired Agarwal, the uh, former CEO. He's fired the previous uh, chief financial officers. He's fired the head of legal. He's fired the general counsel. He's fired so many more other people. Jeez. And like I hinted, I like feel I hinted fired at as you're talking. Did he fire me? <laughs> I still have my Twitter uh, account, right? Well, he says he says he he was uh, did say he's going to fire 75. percent He's paired that back to just 50. percent He's going to fire, of, of all Twitter staff, he's going to fire on Friday, tomorrow, our tomorrow listeners today. Uh, so that's what he said. Did you see cool. all of these memes about people, like f- fake memes of people getting fired, like yeah. leaving the building? Yeah. A lot of yeah. So like apparently people like put up like they like... Um, some people like showed up outside of Twitter headquarters with like boxes and they put like the office equipment, but they actually weren't employees. They just supposed, um, <laughs> and they got like mainstream media to report exactly, that they were being yeah. fired. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, and then, okay. But in addition to that, Elon Musk says, uh, has reportedly brought in over 50 Tesla engineers really into Twitter to bring Tesla's talent into Twitter talent. And I think that what he's thinking is that like, you know, Elon Musk is just like, if you work at Tesla, like you perform, like that is the that is the expectation. Same thing with SpaceX, and that's, so I think t- the vibe is that like Elon thinks all the Twitter engineers are just like lazy, and they've just been like lazing around for the past like years and years and years. So he wants to bring his like you know super his military engine. Here's people. His like yeah. super. This strong, is what refined. private equity always does, right? They'll mm-hmm. acquire and then they'll like fire all of management and bring in their people to run things. He's kind of doing yeah. a private equity play here, right? Yeah, it kind of sounds like that. Uh, like I've I've heard that there's like certain features that he's put uh, deadlines on, and whoever does doesn't like ship and get that deadline done is like fired. So like, yeah, coming in, coming in hot into Twitter. He's also Uh, ending all remote work, which is an an interesting thing for a tech company to do. Requiring remaining employees to show up at their offices. People are going to hate that. Yeah, people are not going to like that. Anyways, uh, he tweets out, uh, the bird is freed. Uh, And he's just been tweeting on Twitter, which is now his company, uh, all about like, oh, freedom of speech. We can talk about carbs now. That's an inside joke if you saw that tweet. (laughs) Uh, But just like how like there's not going to be, there's going to be like less like content moderation, but... Uh, and anyways, and like, there's a lot of chaos going on. People don't really know exactly what the the net effect of all of this is. We're still kind of waiting and seeing. It's still pretty early. I mean, first of all, like I would say, it's like Twitter is kind of like crypto's governance engine yes, in a way. This is why Twitter is so important. This yeah. is where we have the public discussion. But there, there are certain questions of like, what does this have to do with with uh, with crypto, and can crypto help solve some of the problems that uh, that Twitter is facing right now? Maybe Web three identities, uh, maybe other things. Um, but this was interesting. This from mm-hmm. Binance. What are we looking at here, David? Yeah, Binance Twitter account says GM Twitter, and then it's a picture of CZ buttoning up his suit, uh, and then a picture of Elon poking through a little Twitter Twitter logo window. Uh, The reason why this tweet exists is because Binance uh, uh, put in $500 million towards Elon Musk acquisition of Twitter. So through Elon, 
Twitter, uh, Binance owns $500 million of Twitter equity. Wow. That's a lot. I heard this was, um, you know, I guess Twitter, the Twitter, Elon in the Twitter deal took CZ's money, but didn't take SBF's money. Yeah. That at least is, is yeah. the rumor. So SBF I mean, declined SBF's to, money. Yeah. But he took CZ's money. I wonder if there are strings attached to that. But here's a headline from Bloomberg Crypto Exchange Binance is creating a team that aims to help Twitter with things like bots. So Binance, maybe CZ mm. sending his army to go help Elon as well. What do mm. you think about that? That makes sense. Um, I don't know what to think about that. Bots are definitely just, a problem. Just be, bots are a huge problem. Does is that why Binance is involved though? Because Binance has like bot expertise. I'm not not I'm not sure. I don't know. Anything it's, I say is speculation. Yeah, for sure. We'll have to see how it plays out. But how about this tweet, David? I want to get your thoughts on this. This is Elon Musk. Twitter's current lords and peasant system for who has or who doesn't have a blue check mark is bullshit. Power to the people. Mm-hmm. Blue for eight dollars a month. Blue check mark. So for people who aren't into Twitter, David, what is the significance? of a blue check mark. What is kind of like the status quo of how you get a blue check mark? And uh, what is this $8 per month thing that Elon is talking about? The the blue check mark is a verified account and it's really been reserved for high profile accounts that we need to have this mechanism to easily verify that that is the authentic real account. So that has been the purpose of a blue check mark. Uh, I, I think the main the main point is to like if you are a high profile account, somebody will make like uh, uh, replica accounts and like uh, uh, like uh, impersonate that high profile account to do whatever influence scam fish. Like Ryan and I each have like hundreds of fake accounts that are impersonating us. Uh, and so the idea of the blue check mark is just to make it easy to verify who is actually the real one and who's not. The problem with that is that it doesn't really work like that because of how corrupted it is. Uh, if you want a blue check mark, you can buy one in like back alley Twitter channels with Twitter employees for $25,000 ish. You know, I don't know what market rate is, uh, but like, Oh God, yeah, you got some, you got some bad one, bad impersonators. Um, and so like the Twitter, blue check mark thing is kind of turned into just like a celebrity like chad thing but that you can buy your way into it's not really it's no longer working as it's more like a social designed. signal it's a social signal yeah and also it's just like completely fallen apart in the past like two months it's also so. impossible to get i've tried like five times and yeah. i think like you and i many people in crypto have a valid case in that like there's going to we be have rep- the most valid case we have the most impersonators there there are many impersonators and like these impersonators are causing harm to people who are mm-hmm. like fake ryan adams i don't know how many times i i a day literally i get dms from people I probably, I telling report, me hey there's a yeah. there's a fake ryan out there and like he just dm'd me is this you and he's like asked them something about your like trading their financial strategy. history yeah. trading strategy it's you know super lame I'm like no i, I don't t- i wouldn't talk like that but also no that's not me uh but it's impossible to go through the process and get a blue right. check mark uh been yeah. denied like five times don't know yeah. why uh-huh. just goes into a black hole so what is the eight dollars a month where does that come in yeah, we don't really know. That's that. This caused uh, a bunch of consternation, a bunch of confusion. Because the point of the check mark is that you can't get it. You have to be like given a check mark by people that verified you. And so, like, blue for eight dollars a month. First, there's this thing called Twitter Blue, which is the thing you pay for, which I pay for, which gives you some extra perks. You can get your NFT profile picture there. You can like edit your tweets, uh, stuff like that. Um, what Elon seems to be implying is that for $8 a month, you can get a blue check mark, but then that kind of de- defeats the point of the blue check mark. There's a lot of details that we need to figure Why out. Why do you think it um, defeats the point of the blue check mark? I mean, my take on it was um, it costs money to do mm-hmm. identity checks, 
right? For individuals right now, it's just a black hole. You try to go through a process, you try to submit, you never hear back. You don't know why you've not been submitted. Mm -hmm. And so for $8 a month, you can go through the process and it can be funded to do the identity check. And so it's just like they're creating a, a funding model for it and it's easier to go through that process. Now, you know, skeptics w- would say, well, now rather than having a bunch of fake David Hoffmans, you're going to have a fake blue, a bunch of fake blue checkmark David Hoffmans. So right. what have you accomplished? But I guess like right. one minor counter to that would be to say, well, are all of these bots going to pay $8 a month? for this? Mm-hmm. So there is some like proof of stake uh, right. skin in the game of like at least $8 a month. And then plus, in order to get a blue checkmark, I assume you still have to go through some sort of like human slash algo verification check. And presumably those other fake David Hoffman's wouldn't be able to, to meet that mark. That's at least how I interpreted this. If yes, if that is how it is, then that is great. Uh, I think there's a lot of like speculation as to what this will be. If that's what, if that is the net effect of that, then I'm a hundred percent. It's better at least, right? It's not perfect, but maybe it's better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, let's read out Vitalik's take on this about the $8 Yeah, Vitalik says, how well this works depends on exactly how much due diligence is done to make sure blue checks are who they say they are. Yeah, pay $1 a month and call yourself whatever would damage the blue checks anti-scam role, but if there's more actual verification, then the result is very different. Yeah, sounds like what we were saying. Yeah, Yeah. pretty measured. Uh, Maybe I stole from Vitalik, I don't know. (laughs) Um, So so this caused like a bunch of controversy. Everyone's angry about it. Everyone has an opinion about it, right? Uh, And so Elon Musk says, to all complainers, please continue complaining, but it will cost cost eight dollars <laughs> so elon just turns into like complete troll mode which he's fantastic at uh well what's interesting it's like why are people complaining do you think is it because they is it people who have a blue check mark are complaining because they don't want to pay and they just think it should be sort of a public good you know for like journalists and for um high profile people who need it are they mad that it's like previously been a social status thing and now that's getting rescinded and it's becoming more more common or do they just hate elon musk just they hate the guy i think there's a lot of that going around it's kind of like narcissistic billionaire trying to like promote free speech in quotes take over social media and it's kind of like a political left first right thing what's your take on that uh the answer is definitely yes Yes, to all all of them. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, people just want to complain. That's what Twitter is. It's a platform for (laughs) complaining. Anyways, here's Eric Voorhees' take. He goes, remember that Elon Musk charging $8 for premium Twitter experience means Twitter becomes the product again instead of you. And if $8 is too much, you remain as the product, which I think is a good take. Yes, if we have to access Twitter for $8 a month, that makes us the the people that are important rather than the advertisers um however a large part of twitter is like let's make sure everyone has a voice here so like there's a there's an interesting line that needs to be walked between not being the product and creating a free and open platform well i mean that is a point how much how much are you paying monthly for your attention when you are right. the product like how much does yeah. twitter harvest from you in the same way meta does and other social media right. sites and that's eric's point here is there's less of incentive to do that yeah, this is uh, David Sachs from the All In podcast, uh, who's also pushing back on the pusher backers and says the entitled elite is not mad that they have to pay eight dollars a month. They're mad that anyone can pay eight dollars a month. Uh, yeah, 
Yeah. Look how many likes these things are getting. Yeah. Like everyone well, is well, it's about Twitter, right? So like yeah. literally everyone on the platform is it's relevant towards. AOC comes in uh, to give her take and goes, Lamau at the billionaire earnestly trying to sell people on the idea that free speech is actually an $8 a month subscription plan to which Elon Musk replied, your feedback is appreciated. Now pay $8. <laughs> 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 that's funny and look CZ weighing in here too freedom and free and price are different concepts you can choose not to pay and still use Twitter or not use it at all sometimes I wonder if part of the funding of Twitter was just like to be in the cool clubs uh, the cool kids club yeah right so now, now CZ definitely gets to weigh in on this as an yeah, owner of Twitter he gets, he gets to ride on Elon's like troll coattails yeah yeah it's like you get to be in Elon's like maybe a text list or something yeah. where you yeah. can just uh, you know ping him pay for access uh, <laughs> my larger question is this David I want to get your take here is why is this so why is it so hard on Twitter to prove person why do we still have all of the the spam accounts like why haven't we solved the blue check mark thing before and like why haven't we solved digital identity centralized digital identity yet so why is proof of personhood and digital identity so hard the bots are swarming us it's impossible to tell who's a human who's a robot we have no defense the world is begging for a solution i want to sign my tweets with private keys what's taking so long i actually don't understand this i'm it's just like this is people are like oh this is rich coming from from somebody who doesn't you know code and and like you know, build mm -hmm. things. And I, I get that perspective, but also people have been talking about digital identity, decentralized identity for so long. Since before crypto. Right. Why isn't it here? Yeah. Like, how have we not solved this problem? And especially in my opinion, I think it's a national defense imperative, mm. right? If oh, state sponsored yeah. bot armies can sow division among our social networks, democracies themselves become very fragile. Like even from like national security, they're talking about banning TikTok. The U.S. is talking about banning TikTok. Why not be proactive and, make and start identity systems? Yeah. yeah, and help make identity systems, right? Like it seems to me that would be a solution to this problem of nation-state-sponsored bot attacks. What do you think about this? I think that's right. And my quick from the hip take is that like a lot of people don't know how to didn't know how to think in Web three terms before Web three was was in existence, right? Obviously, it's an obvious statement. Like we had ideas around decentralized identity and identity systems since before crypto, but we have now uh, like this whole crypto corner of the internet that is like this massive rabbit hole that's a huge nerd snipe and everyone kind of goes down the rabbit hole and they come out understanding what web three values are and that can now be these lessons and memes that are now in these people's heads can now go back to web two and be like hey web two you don't have to you don't have to build web three but let's take some web three principles like community governance and community identity and apply that to our web two platforms and there were some takes i saw like out of kobe right uh, kobe had this take where he was like um uh a, like a green check mark to signal support for climate change or like an orange check mark to signal your support for like you know, Bitcoin and a you know certain colored kind of check mark to signal your tribe here make them all pay eight dollars a month or something uh, but like have more community aligned identity systems uh, when that'll come to a take that I have later on in the show but uh, I think because we now know what crypto is we can talk take some of that crypto philosophy and apply it to our web 2 apps but without having crypto I don't think there was enough people out there to really think in these web three ways it seems like the biggest problem that we're facing right now on the internet honestly in social media right i mean i feel like the first 10 years of crypto was about solving the whole money thing mm -hmm. and like it's continuing to to do that 
But I'm hopeful this decade, we can start to solve the digital identity thing. Yeah. Like that being the next step, decentralized money and then decentralized identity. Uh, and I do think crypto will play a big role here. Um, but getting into our next Web item two app of yeah. the week, Web2 <laughs> app, uh, try to keep up Elon because Meta, particularly Instagram, is now allowing mint and sell functionality for mm -hmm. NFTs, mm -hmm. right? David, a few weeks ago, we displayed on Meta, on Instagram, uh, view functionality so you can mm -hmm. view your NFTs. Yeah. This is the next step. And this is a massive next step yeah. because it means every Instagram user can now become a creator mm -hmm. of NFTs using Instagram. The ability to mint and sell NFTs on Instagram Massive, absolutely yeah. massive. And uh, this is being deployed right now on Polygon. It's not yep. live yet, but this is a tweet from Meta. Do you want to read this out? Yeah, Meta says, soon you'll be able to make and sell NFTs on Instagram, starting with Polygon. You can also connect to Solana and Phantom Wallet and see more information about OpenSea collections. Uh, and so some of the features that are coming out here, they continue and say, we are adding new ways for people to show appreciation for their favorite creators through expanded access to Instagram subscriptions, gifting on Instagram Reels, and updates to Facebook stars. Uh, so not only is there just generalized NFT integration with Polygon and Solana, but also they're just doing a platform revamp to allow for creator monetization, creator business opportunities. Uh, and so in addition to that, um, Meta has also pledged, pledged that neither creators nor collectors will have to pay for gas fees, which just shows the importance of scale. Uh, and they also they, it, uh, gave a step-by-step -step video to Coindesk and Coindesk reported that it appears that NFT creators will be able to choose their royalty percentage between five and 25%. Creators can then link their bank accounts or PayPal accounts to get paid if they are still banked. Uh, I wonder, I, I'm hoping that they can also link their wallets and just get paid directly in crypto. I'm assuming that's going to be the case. Obviously, that's the next step. And yeah. I do think that will be the case. Uh, pr pretty amazing on, on Polygon as well. Did, did they mention that they were adding any sort of app store type fee? Do you remember the news last week was mm. Apple wants to charge its 30% tax on everything? Um, I don't think Meta is taking that approach. Did I you would see any love details about that? To see Meta go after Apple to not pay that fee. Facebook versus Apple over the 30% tax, that would be awesome. Find I know, it out. I just want to say it, Ryan. Like, I'm going to plant this flag. Meta is now, or at least Instagram, is fully Web3. I mean, maybe not like fully, they can't sign in with your Ethereum address, but minting and selling NFTs natively in the application. That's what th we're hoping That's for. what Web3 is. Yeah. And, and using, okay, and not using some meta proprietary tech stack to do that, mm -hmm. but securing that with a property right system based on, based on crypto. That's what's important here. And I know, you know, Polygon is, some people will say, well, it's proof of stake. It's uh, more sidechain side yeah, than right. it is layer two. They have ambitious layer yeah. two plans. I tell you. That's, that's, that's not, that take's not going to last. That take is not going to last, regardless of what you think about that. But like, rather than, I mean, there was a few years ago, Meta was talking about like, we'll just create our own blockchain. And then I guess the world will trust Meta as the property rights layer of the internet. No. And what do we say? It's like, some people are like, but, but Meta's bad, David. Why are you support, like, Meta's evil, Bankless. What are you talking about? They, like, they're part of the surveillance capitalism. They're, they're preying on their users. Mm -hmm. And okay, sure, yes, I, I agree with, with many aspects of that. But as we say so often on Bankless, if they adopt crypto protocols, right. they adopt crypto value. Right. And now 
what we've done is we've gone underneath Meta and sort of forced Meta to build on top of open blockchain, systems. secure, open, permissionless, uh, freedom technologies. Mm-hmm. That is just such a massive leap forward. And let me remind you, Meta has 2.5 billion users, right. monthly users, active users. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely huge. Yeah. Uh, I would like to do a dive into the actual smart contract that is the minting contract of these NFTs and see like what kind of powers and features they have there. Not that I will be able to do that. I'll need somebody more technical to do that. Um, if it's just a normal ERC-721 token, like that is the new power. Uh, Meta uh, adheres to the ERC-721 token standard. Open, free, public, permissionless. Can go across chains. Can do whatever you want. Gives the power from Meta to the token owner. I'm not going to say that this is the biggest thing that's happened this year, but this like is, it's a it's big. It's it's <sighs> funny that like this like doesn't really land. For I don't know why. Both people outside of crypto, people outside of crypto are like, great, I don't care about NFTs. And people inside of crypto are like, great, I don't care about Instagram. Like, there's, <laughs> there's, there's no one in the middle who's like, I'm so stoked for this. Yeah, I think I think what'll happen is it'll be kind of quiet launch, no one will really notice, and then they'll start to 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 notice some sort of influencer, some sort of right. Instagram account it, they yeah. follow doing this, using it, and it'll spread that way. By the way, everyone's also like, well, NFTs aren't cool anymore. NFTs are so Okay, no. Also I mean, not going to last as a tech. That's not going to last either. I mean, we'll see how well that ages. So uh, <laughs> massively for it. Also, Arweave was up mysteriously. Yeah, Arweave, Arweave up 50% because Arweave, it's like a, a modular data storage blockchain solution. So you can put a bunch of data there. Uh, it's part of the integration of uh, Meta. So they're putting NFT data on Arweave. I, mean, I, I would assume that's the actual, like if it's a, like the image JPEG or if it's a movie, that, that part of the NFT goes on Arweave. Which like, yo, that's not like, that's a big deal. They're not, Facebook isn't storing the data themselves about the NFT. They're putting the data of the NFT on Arweave, a public and open system. So it can truly escape from Facebook's clutches, which is why this is such a huge step forward for Facebook from a web two app to a web three app. That's huge. Oh, by the way, a uh, friend Anatoly at uh, Solana wanted to emphasize too, that uh, there's, it's also possible to view NFTs using Solana. I, this is not just a Polygon story. Apparently, although Polygon is the only one with the, the minting and selling functionality, sure, but yeah. now you can also view. Where, where, on, did, uh, where did Solana. he say that he wanted to have some? Oh, in my tweets. Being, you, oh, okay. He's <laughs> just like, you, you didn't say the S word. Happy to say the S word, Anatoly. Solana, 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 Solana. Solana. Oh, shit, it's Anatoly. <laughs> exactly. No, if you don't say it, then he pops then, up. Then he pops up, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Tell me about art gobblers. All right, I'm art, a huge. You, okay, my God, I'm a huge Rick and ride? Morty fan. Yeah, and I can't believe I missed this. And this is what I feel like I've heard everyone saying, like, "Oh, this was so obvious," and I missed it because yeah. art gobblers were on a rampage yeah. this year. And mm-hmm. what is the project? Something to do with Rick and Morty. Yeah. Okay. Brand brand new NFT project called Art Gobblers from the Rick and Morty creator Justin Roiland. Uh, in, in like a very strong partnership with Paradigm. So this was like a, a joint project from- Paradigm, Rick, the VC company. Paradigm, the VC company, specifically Dave White, uh, mechanism, mechanism designer, researcher at Paradigm. Uh, and so collaboration between Justin Roiland, the artist, and Paradigm, the mechanism designers. Uh, and so yeah, we're watching a movie, Rick and Morty fashion uh, <laughs> styled movie. Uh, it's kind of like <laughs> debuting what are art gobblers. And there are these weird creatures and there's like this goo that is oozing 
oozing out of like a hose that's like in bleeding. there. They're bleeding goo. They're just like goo faucets. Uh, <laughs> and this like guy is like tied up by the art gobblers. Like it's, it's giving the context or the lore or something. Um, basically. All right. So, so you ready for me to go into the mechanism of how the hell this works? Yeah. Let's, uh, okay. well, actually, can we look at the art first a little bit more? <laughs> it's just Rick and Morty art. It's just even more just like weird and surreal. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I do like this art style, by the way. It's just like, <laughs> That's maybe it's just the one me. you like. First, we'll talk about uh, some of the analytics. There's 2,000 art gobblers that were able to be minted in this first wave. There's going to be 10,000 total eventually. There's a little bit like a Bitcoin issuance curve. Uh, high at the beginning, slow it tapers off over time. Current floor price, 15 Ether. Wow. 15 Ether, not a low floor price. Um, currently, 1,887 gobblers are out there. Um, uh, every time there are 10 legendary gobblers that exist, every time 581 gobblers are minted, a legendary goes up for sale. Uh, but like the uh, sale price, the, there's been as high as 40 ETH sales. Uh, the, the volume on this thing is just like super crazy. Just like a ton of activity going on. This is still permissioned. So you needed to have signed up for, to be on the mint list. I don't know how you got there. Um, uh, but yeah, just like it's taken part of the NFT world definitely by storm. So but also that? just like this is a high effort NFT project. This is not yeah. just like an NFT. So like, because there's mechanisms behind this, this is not just like buy your art gobbler. This is not a collectible art gobblers do things. They're actually productive assets. Wait, you can draw, you can draw stuff. Okay. So in order to explain this, okay. we have to go through the mechanism design for how, <laughs> right. how this whole thing works. The paradigm, okay. the big brain stuff. Yes. Okay. So actually, yeah, let's scroll down because there's, there's like a tweet that kind of shows everything. So here, here's how this works. Art gobblers, Ryan, can gobble art, and the art is called glaminated pages. Uh, and so once a glaminated page has been gobbled, it is displayed on the art gobbler's stomach forever. And so the art gobbler is so like think for the people that are listening, think about like Dr. Seuss's uh, snooze. What's the story of the Dr. Seuss with the stars on their belly? Oh, uh, star belly snitches. Exactly. That one. Think, so like start with that with your mental model, but like think Teletubby uh, TV belly. So like we got a TV belly on these like Ginormous weird gar- belly. Ginormous a lot of belly. space. Yeah. Care bear style. And so once an art gobbler gobbles some art, that art becomes displayed on its belly. So an individual art gobbler, Ryan, is itself an art gallery. And so since there's eventually going to be 10,000 of them, the meme is that they are, it's a decentralized network of art galleries. Each one is an art gallery. Uh, And so (laughs) the people who own these art gobblers can gobble art to curate their art gobble, <laughs> gobbler's gallery. <laughs> but the thing is, Ryan, there is this thing called goo. <laughs> There's an ERC-20 token called goo. What? And, and gobblers produced goo. And so, uh, On gobblers, some kind of recurring basis? Yes, like it's a productive asset. There. So like not only is a art gobbler a gallery to display your art that the art gobble gobbles, but they produce goo. They have this little pipe, this hose in the back of their backs that like put out, put out <laughs> goo <laughs> goo and like tokenized goo to- yeah, the goo is a token the goo is an erc20 token so this thing like the it like uh, ether staked ether mints ether and gar- gobblers mint goo uh same same <laughs> exactly the same ultrasound goo <laughs> ultrasound goo uh and so you need to consume goo to make the art that art gobbles go- gar- gobblers gobble uh and ah. so there are these things called blank pages Blank there in NFT. When you combine goo plus a blank page NFT, that is called uh, glamination, aka the minting of gobbleable art of a glaminated page. 
Uh, and so you have these page NFTs. You spend the currency goo to, <laughs> to add art onto a page NFT. So it goes from a blank page to a glaminated page, which is a gobbleable. And then once there's art on the page, uh, it can be gobbled and anyone can draw anything. There's like this like windows paint kind of like factory where you can like put in art it and is. make your art and then have that be gobbled by the art gobbler. <laughs> <laughs> and the page becomes a permanent part of the gobbler's stomach. So once a gobbler gobbles some art, it, it's one way. It's permanent forever. Just like a tattoo. Just like it's a tattoo. It's forever a, it's a tattoo. tattoo. Forever. It's irreversible. Uh, and the point of this is to make, like, you know, people want to have intention about, like, what they put oh into my their God. So you could, like, we, we could buy an art gobbler for the we, low, we, low price of 15, 15 ETH, ETH. And then we could start to put stuff in Tattoo yeah. bankless on it? Sure. If we wanted the bankless if we wanted art gobbler, to, yeah. that would add uh-huh. value, maybe right. subtract value. And so the, I, I think know. the idea is like a lot of these gobblers will start to like differentiate themselves as to like the art that they have in their belly. So it's no longer about the properties like, oh, my NFT has like a golden crown and it's shiny and blah. No, it's about like, all right, like what art has your art gobble gobbled? <laughs> this is awesome. Like, I, I mean... I, Look, it's kind of a fun idea, right? But like, uh-huh. you can see a lot of thought went into that. This is not totally. the type of project that we saw in the late stage uh-huh. NFT market. No, uh, this is fresh. This is new. It's building something. Uh, I don't know. Are NFTs back, David? Well, remember, remember my uh, take. My big takeaway out of DevCon is like gamification works. Yeah, uh, people. The reason why there's a 15 ETH floor is because people want to play the art gobbler game. <laughs> the art gobbler. It's an economic game. It's a social status mm-hmm. game. It's just a fun internet thing. It's- we would have previously have called it a futility token. These goo is a utility token, but it it when you pair it with an NFT, it like works better. Goo is money? Question mark. For in the art gobbler ecosystem, goo is in money. Yes. Art- gobbler economy in the the art gobbler metaverse goo is money this is hilariously fun and uh, (laughs) i do like the art big brains at paradigm maybe that's the team up artist plus big brain equals a really good project if you spend some time on it mm. clear that they spent some time on this one yeah that's great all right david what do we got coming up next oh coming up next nothing nothing as cool as our cobblers (laughs) let me tell you uh jp morgan fulfilling the DeFi mullet prophecy they once hated us, yet now they have a mullet. We're going to talk about that. Uh, the odd death of a MakerDAO founder, not Rune mm. Christensen, uh, and GameStop launching something cool. So all of this and more as soon as we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors to help you go bankless. ZK Sync just went to mainnet. This is the first EVM to mainnet. So says ZK Sync. Baby Alpha is here in the tweet. We are proud to announce that today we hit our Baby Alpha milestone. We have begun the march to fair onboarding Alpha and full launch Alpha. Three different Alphas there, I counted, David. This is the roadmap that we're looking at. Uh, what part in the process of ZK Sync going to mainnet are we in? It still feels like early days. I think like only a small permission team can mm-hmm. actually access the alpha on mainnet. So we're not at full launch on mainnet yet, but this is a, an important milestone. What's your take here? Yeah, so it is live on mainnet uh, without access. So that has caused some controversy because what does it mean to be live on mainnet if people can't touch it? Uh, apparently, uh, the ZK mainnet is only touchable 
by the Matter Labs team, uh, according to an Optimism Governance delegate. So there's caused a little bit of, of controversy, but that's because what ZK Sync has done is they've broken this apart into a number of like launches, right? So they have fair onboarding, full full launch alpha, like, uh, and then they have like the decentralization layer three. So they have like they're rolling it out in stages, uh, which is why they're calling it baby alpha. Uh, so like it makes sense. Like I yeah. see the stages, it makes sense, but there's also probably an element of of, uh, then why you got here first? Why'd Me you, first. Yes, yes. <laughs> got it. <laughs> like they were all. It's all like, the, it's like when the, 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 the brother like licks the piece of candy, so this so the uh, yeah. so the sibling can't have it. As, as yeah, a brother exactly. who's done that before, I can I can relate. Yeah. Well, that's what's happening. But uh, oh, we should also mention we are advisors on zk sync. Oh, yeah. Of course, you'll find that out in our disclosures. Uh, fan of the project uh, as well. Um, good to see some progress there. Google is launching a cloud node engine mm -hmm. for who? For Ethereum developers. David, I've been growingly impressed with this cohort of Google engineers yeah. that are on the Web3 crypto yeah. train, um, particularly in their cloud services uh, division, I believe. But um, what does this mean for developers? I think it's mostly just a, a statement. I mean, we already knew this about Google, but uh, a statement from Google that they are here to support Web3. Like there yeah. was this other, like I can't remember this other cloud providers like Herzl or something. Her in Germany. In Germany, yeah. That actually the the news that we actually didn't include this week is that they're like uh, a bunch of Solana nodes went down because Herzl just kicked them off or whatever. Well, now we included it. David. Now, now we included it. Yeah. Uh, and so, in stark contrast to other NGMI cloud providers, Google definitely GMI because they're supporting like nodes. Uh, and say they say officially officially called a blockchain node engine. Google's offering a fully managed service, meaning customers won't have to hire their own teams to maintain or monitor their nodes. Instead, Google says it will actively monitor the nodes and restarts them if anything goes wrong. So in stark contrast to the node operating company that I can't remember that is kicking off Hertz, uh, nodes. Hertzel? Hurts something, I don't know. Uh, yeah. NGMI cloud operator, uh, they are helping node operators uh, operate their nodes. Uh, so thank you, Google. Thank you for your service. That's cool. Um, this is some sad news coming yeah. out of the, the maker community. Mm -hmm. uh, David, we don't have a lot of details here, but why don't you just read the headline? Uh, Nikolai, uh, people just know him as Nikolai. Nikolai Mushigian died at 29 uh, in Puerto Rico. He was found just like washed up. Uh, the current, uh, allegedly, uh, the Puerto Rican current uh, took him. Uh, people are confused about this. There's a bunch of conspiracy stuff, not enough for us to really go into. Nikolai has been around for a long time. Uh, before MakerDAO was a thing, he was part of the BitShares community. Same thing with Rune Christensen. Um, OG member of MakerDAO. Sadly, Ryan, I was actually in... Um, uh, DMs with Nikolai and Telegram uh, a couple weeks ago about a potential layer zero with him. Um, looks like I was didn't do that fast enough, so I'm bummed about that. Yeah, um, very sad and rest in peace, Nikolai. I, I think the community will, will definitely miss you and your contributions to the space. Um, very sad story. Anytime um, I ever heard of a, like a maker DAO friend, Mariano Conti, so many others talk about Nikolai, it was in just extremely high regard. He was one of those guys that was you know considered a giga brain, saw crypto before before anyone else, uh, saw saw what it could do committed to that ecosystem, contributed not just to MakerDAO, also Balancer. I, I think he had a very, very strong role in actually writing the Balancer white paper along with um, Fernando. Fernando? Yeah, exactly. Far too young, yeah. 29. He'd like donated a, a bunch uh, of money to, uh, I can't remember, uh, some like uh, academia to like, uh, to do DeFi research. I think he, I think he made the WETH contract. Uh, so he made weth, which means like you've That's all touched, you've all, we've all been <laughs> uh, touched by, by Nikolai, by if you've interacted with weth. Um, so 
Nikolai. Um, sorry, brother. Rest in peace. Um, JP Morgan trading on the public blockchain in this monumental step. I love that the headline has a picture of, of Jamie, Jamie Diamond, Diamond. <laughs> the CEO is famously called crypto and Bitcoin, all of these things, uh, a, a scam. And here they are using it. David, uh, I think it might be helpful to kind of walk through what What's exactly is, yeah, is happening yeah. here. Details this in the is fine a, print. Walk us through it. Yeah. This is a, a tweet from Mihailo from, um, from Polygon. By the way, I had a big week with uh, the, the um, meta NFT minting stuff. But JP Morgan executed the first live trade on public chain. And it's on Polygon. They used Aave. First ever tokenized deposit issued by a bank on chain verified with W3C standard verifiable credentials. We like the v- we like the VCs. We like the VCs. Uh, pretty cool verify credentials. That is, this is uh, Ty Lobin, who is a developer, I think, at JP Morgan, mm-hmm. saying they've executed their first live trade on public blockchain. Everything that Mahalo just said. What did they do here? First, they used Polygon for the trade because they wanted to do it on Ethereum. They need cheap gas fees. Uh, that's checking out so far. Second, they used Aave so that they could leverage their permissioned pools concept. We deployed a modified version of Aave Arc. That's what they did, a modified version of Aave, so they could set certain parameters such as interest rate and FX rate. Third, they issued a tokenized Singapore dollar deposit. So this is a stable coin, not of US dollars, but of Singapore dollars. This is a deposit token, which is a general liability of JPEG. JP Morgan. It's a native token giving stable on-chain value without the scalability issues of stable coins. This is the first issuance of tokenized deposits by a bank, in particular on a public chain. You can click here on Polyscan Polyscan and see the tokenized deposit contract for Singapore dollars. And then fourth, and I think this is kind of cool, they used verifiable credentials. This is the first time I've seen VCs Mm -hmm. really out in the wild solving a big use case. Mm -hmm. Verifiable credentials, Ty says, give us much more fine-grained control than just allow listing addresses. Risk limits, asset limits, et cetera, is all possible. And we built on-chain verification of verifiable credentials. He says, verify credentials are huge. Brings composability to identity. You can have these little verifiers that know how to verify certain things and use them across dApps, bringing further standardization and portability to identity. By the way, this might be a way Twitter gets out of its current yeah. uh, setup of paying $8 a month for, for blue check marks and moving mm-hmm. something decentralized. Verifiable credentials are hugely bullish technology for that. Um, he says... We, uh, as a sidebar, by the way, if you're, if you're at, like wanting to know why verifiable credentials, why identity is so important, because it's, it's JP Morgan. Right. I mean, they're a bank. Um, mm-hmm. As a heavily regulated bank, he says, we cannot enable money laundering, must undertake KYC. Using verifiable credentials and allow list was crucial for enabler, enabling us to use DeFi pools with certainty on these points. Institutional DeFi, exclamation point. This is probably what it looks like when regulated banks start using DeFi. And I think that this is going to become a trend in the future. And JP Morgan, despite what Jamie Dimon is saying, uh, is uh, doing big experiments in this world. I think it's pretty bullish. It, it, this is, is not the bankless future that we all like signed up for in the self-sovereign future, of course. But again, I go back to kind of the meta thing. 
when they adopt crypto yeah. protocols, they adopt crypto values. Also, you what can you build a bank system on top of a bankless system. Of course right? you when, can. So that's, that's what we're doing here. And like you, you said the word experiment. This looks much more than an experiment. This you're is right. Like, this is production level stuff. This is yeah, a means right. to an end. They used Ave Arc and Polygon and verifiable credentials to get something done. Yeah. And then they did it. That's huge. Enterprise blockchain, David. Enterprise Do you blockchain. That was a big thing yeah. back in It's called Polygon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but this is enterprise blockchain. This is doing something for right. a bank. Like this yep. is this makes total sense to right. me. So I'm starting to see like these uh, enterprise blockchain use cases mm -hmm. that I'm like, okay, fine. Right. We're getting there. Right. We're making some progress. I would like to take a quick victory lap for the world of uh, verifiable credentials. People think soulbound tokens are super cool, but a lot of the reasons why they think soulbound tokens are super cool are actually like the domain of verifiable credentials. Uh, it's it's a basically a soulbound token that's not on a blockchain, uh, and it can do so much more by not being fixed down to the blockchain. If you li listen to the uh, our soulbound episode with Vitalik Buterin and Evan McMullen, there's like there's like these two tribes. There's like the soulbound token folk who like tokens. There's a the verifiable credential folk who like privacy. Uh, I would just like to I, say, can I be in both tribes? Uh, at, okay, well, uh, yes. I am a in. <laughs> To the a firm VC tribor, and I'm taking a victory lap. All right. Well, you take that victory lap, and I will also join you in that because I'm part of that tribe, but I'm also in the Soulbound tribe. I so don't taking, know if you can do that. <laughs> I think they're different for two different sets of use cases, and I definitely think that yes, VCs were yes, the right Yes, and technology I 100% agree this. with that, and I will say that the Soulbound token tribe is putting too many use cases into Soulbound tokens in the same way that Bitcoiners think that Bitcoin is going to solve like the food system. David trying to get all tribal around identity already. It's too early for the tribalism. We at least need tokens to fight over, okay? Um, all right, what else we got? Uh, Robbie Ferguson tweets out, thrilled to finally announce that GameStop NFT Marketplace is officially live on Immutable. This is a huge step in making true ownership real for hundreds of millions of gamers. We knew this was coming. Uh, I, I, GameStop first integrated Loopring, I believe, is their first yep. layer two, and now they're integrating Immutable. Any thoughts on this? Uh, nope. Uh, we I, the, GameStop is very intentionally going after NFTs in the same way Meta is now. Uh, I mean, just add another one to the list of people that are doing NFT stuff. Uh, another thing to add to the list, I think, is uh, Twitter doing NFT stuff. So got to keep up with Meta. Now testing NFT tweet tiles. This is a feature for Twitter. David, what are we looking at? This is like a small update. There's already NFTs in Twitter, right? Like our profile pictures. Uh, but they are being given like a more of a first class citizen in tweet and in, uh, embedded into tweets. So if you post like uh, an Instagram or a YouTube link or like they will treat links differently based off of what they are. Um, sure, like a preview kind right, of Right, a specialized preview based off of the, like the URL. So if it's a YouTube, it'll give you a YouTube preview. Uh, if it's an Instagram link, it won't give you any preview because it doesn't want you to go there. But they are giving special previews towards NFTs that like, so they manifest in a specific way. Uh, and so the NFT here is like Rocket to the Moon created by Twitter with a button to say, see on Marketplace. And I would imagine that that Marketplace button takes you to uh, Rarible, Magic Eden, that or labs, jump trade NFT, wherever they have like these uh, um, custom fit links. So David, just I NFTs think, are being given first class treatment inside of Twitter. I, th I think what Meta and Twitter are doing, this is like the NFT space race. It's beginning only Dude, for Dude, this is the media. NFT bear market. This is the build market for they sure. Have to, they have to, all these social media uh, apps have to keep up with this. Yeah. Um, artifact. Fidgetal luggage flies Fidgetal off the shelf. Did I say that luggage, right? Fidgetal? Yes. What is fidgetal? 
luggage. Fidget, fidgetal is this hybrid word between fid, uh, <laughs> digital and physical. Oh, I love it. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah. I it. think everyone <laughs> hates this word, but it's okay. pretty damn sticky, sadly. Uh, so fidgetal? there is uh, physical, there are digital renderings of luggage, Ryan, luxury luggage uh, that is cool. And there are, I is think, eight, <laughs> 888 NFTs that represent uh, luggage. These uh, things? Uh, yes, exactly. Dude, luggage is boring, like, in real life. Why... <laughs> Why are we like collecting it? I don't know, Ryan, but the reason why we're talking about it on the weekly roll up is because $1.7 million worth of volume was exchanged on OpenSea alone, pushing it to the top of a 24 hour leaderboard. Uh, yeah. David, this is not a bear market. If we could sell, do you, how much millions of dollars, if we could sell millions of dollars worth of digital luggage, luggage. <laughs> pictures, like look at these. These are literally just images of, look at this. I mean, it's like my carry on people There's, for some reason there is like this like luxury luggage like world out there i don't know is I that is know. that like sneakerheads there's like luggage heads so. that like, collect it's, these it's things the most niche community we've ever talked about on the show that's right. for sure i bet we uh, offended about a, a bunch of luggage collectors right now um <laughs> dozens of them <laughs> all dozens of them but enough to like spur on a multi-million dollar market yeah. it doesn't feel like a bear market but what we're is, not uh, done with nfts yeah okay. budverse nft.budweiser.com the budverse NFT collection is coming during the FIFA World Cup. There is a mint now button. Budweiser, like, remember, it was like a couple weeks ago, maybe four or five weeks ago, where I was like, NFTs won this week in the weekly yeah. roll up. They won yeah. again. And they won again. Won again. Like, NFT a huge again. week for NFTs, like Budweiser. They were already in NFTs. I don't even know what, what this is, but like digital collectibles to go with the FIFA World Cup. But you can, uh, you can select them. your team, you can mint some stuff. Do you know, uh, yeah. David, minting is not enough for me anymore. I need to gobble. After uh, the art gobblers, <laughs> I want mint and gobble functionality. I'm not buying it. Okay. okay, so here's what you get you can follow your team through the World Cup. You select and represent your team in your specific Budverse FIFA World Cup live scoreboard NFT. This is the first ever <laughs> NFT where you can see your team's progression to greatness in real time. Uh, your live scoreboard NFT will also get you exclusive Budweiser football merch. Cool. Access to holder only Discord channels for an always on game time community, uh, and also access to the Budverse penalty kick minigame. May I just remind you? And this was from our so uh, so rare episode. Mm -hmm. Two point five billion people around the planet are going to be watching the World Cup. Yeah. If just point zero 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 one percent of them yeah. pick up a Budweiser NFT, <laughs> it's I'm not doing success. the math right now, but that's a lot of people. Uh, yeah. What's Carl? Our friend Carly Riley. She just released this documentary that she's been working on for a while about her experience in Puerto Rico in mm -hmm. the art and NFT community. What are we looking at here, David? There's been a bunch of controversy in Puerto Rico about all the crypto people that have like invaded the island. Uh, but Carly wants to tell a different story because there's parts of Puerto Rico, uh, Puerto Rican locals who are using NFTs inside of their community to do stuff, to do cool stuff. Uh, and so Carly went to Puerto Rico, boots on the ground, to tell that story of how NFTs are helping fix stuff in Puerto Rico and how different people are doing different things, leveraging NFTs to help the, the island. Uh, so you very know, cool story, very cool documentary out of Colorado. Also like probably the most well-produced um, piece of uh, video from a, from a crypto content creator I've seen. Yeah. Like she really spent time talking yeah. to locals and like getting this right. So it's fantastic video, go and watch it, it's 30 minutes. 
Uh, yeah, drop your Netflix show and uh, watch that this weekend. She's turning into the uh, Anthony Bourdain of NFTs. <laughs> She's yeah. like going around the world and doing NFT <laughs> I think things. That's, I think that's it. She went to the rainforest too. I think. Yeah, she went to the Amazon to talk know, about NFTs. Carly, it's incredible. Uh, Bitcoin stuff. All right, David, happy 14th anniversary happy for Bitcoin. Happy 14th anniversary. Can we just say it? We are huge Bitcoin fans. Like, I'm saying that with no satire, no disrespect. Bitcoin got me into crypto. Bitcoin I will forever yeah. be excited about Bitcoin. I will forever hold some Bitcoin. I'm like 14 years old. That's what kickstarted this entire revolution. Incredible. This is a tweet from Edward Snowden with a screenshot of Bitcoin, a peer-to-peer electronic cash system. This is the original white paper from the great, the mysterious Satoshi. Uh, 14 years. That's pretty crazy, David. Yet he is still anonymous, Edward Snowden says. Remarkable. Yes, it is indeed remarkable. If staying anonymous is a hard thing to do. Um, uh, Craig Wright friend. comes in hot into, uh, into Edward Snowden's replies oh. and says, <laughs> I was never anonymous, you traitorous scum. What a waste. God, what a waste. This asshole. is the, a man who claimed, by the way, if you're not familiar with this, a man who's literally claiming he's a Satoshi and is obviously not. It's obviously a fraud. Uh, he's also and, claimed uh, he's got like 14 degrees or something. Uh, okay. Yeah. Mm, what a waste. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, chasing some clout for Bitcoin's 14th uh, birthday. The second person <laughs> to chase clout after <laughs> Bitcoin's 14th birthday, Gary friend. Gensler. <laughs> Gary wow. Gensler says, happy 14th birthday to Satoshi Nakamoto's white paper. Not even to Bitcoin. It has led to innovation and crypto asset investing. Let's make sure as crypto enters its 15th year that investors get proper protection. Absolutely F off, Gary. (laughs) God damn it. Protection from what? The three trillion, well, only one trillion. The one trillion dollars that has been created? Why don't you give a charitable view of this? Maybe, Maybe Gary just wants to extend an olive branch to the Bitcoin community and just say, happy anniversary, happy birthday, Bitcoin white paper. He knows that this here? phrasing would tick off, piss off <laughs> Let's make all sure of as crypto enters its 15th year that investors get proper protection. How about a Bitcoin ETF then that is spot yeah. traded? On, Bitcoin on miners things, yeah. uh, blowing up simultaneously. Not great. So Bitcoin prices down. That leads to minor blowups. They become less profitable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's happening here? Uh, so this is not yet a blowup, but the, uh, Dylan LeClaire, who works at Bitcoin Media, says, um, Bitcoin miner Argo blockchain, negative down 41% today at the open. Should Argo be unsuccessful in completing any further financing, Argo would become cash flow negative in the near term and would need to curtail or cease operations. Um, this is what happens during bear markets. We've seen this before. The le- the less efficient miners get washed out because of competition for mining Bitcoin. Uh, the more efficient miners can last through the bear market. Uh, and so every single bear market, um, there's consolidation. Uh, the least profitable, most inefficient Bitcoin miners lose. Uh, and the more efficient Bitcoin miners stick around. When you say consolidation, I hear centralization. Is that what's happening too? Are we doing this on Bitcoin's birthday, Ryan? Uh, no. Happy birthday, Bitcoin. Happy let's birthday, go. Bitcoin. All right, on. let's get to releases, David. This is uh, Nifty Apes. Pretty nifty project. Liquidity for your NFTs. What does this do? Just released. Yeah, borrowing for your NFTs. So I loaded up my wallet and I got like a three or four offers on different NFTs that I own about like how much Ether I could borrow over for what percentage over what period of time. Uh, niftyapes.money if you would like to see the offers that the market might give you based on for your NFTs. Uh, it's a normal NFT borrowing and lending service. Yeah. 
But uh, be careful. And, those could get liquidated. And also, disclaimer, Ryan and I are angel investors in Nifty Apes. Um, so that's our disclaimer. Go check it out. This is cool. Zora is launching Nouns Builder. So you're <laughs> familiar with the Nouns project and maybe familiar with the DAO mechanism around Nouns. Uh, it looks like they built a tool so you could spin up Noun-style DAOs. Uh, what are the details behind this, David? Nouns Builder. Yeah, I think just a big aha moment with Nouns. It was... First, the mechanism itself was very cool, but then realize, people realized it has actually nothing to do with nouns themselves, and it's more of a generalizable mechanism. Uh, so Zora has produced a build a noun, build a noun project. Uh, and so you can kind of tinker with the levers, tinker with the dials, create your, your art, uh, and build a nouns-like DAO. Uh, so it's like a DAO system, DAO in a box. Uh, with a nouns mechanism. So uh, the idea is that we can make a lot more noun-like DAOs and have cool things. David, if I was a 14-year-old kid, like this would be a playground, for, like an oh, absolute God, playground yeah. for yeah. me. Could you imagine yeah. like creating, yeah. like, like turning Can you imagine all the tax liabilities you'd be able to make? Oh, shut. Stop with the taxes. <laughs> Why am I the guy telling you to <laughs> shut up about taxes? I'm 14. I don't care about taxes. I don't know yeah. they even exist. So I'm playing with this tool and I'd like set this up for a clan or something. Like I would, I mean, it, it would be so much fun. Just have a disc, create my own DAO. I mean, how incredible. Mm. Uh kids these days have a lot of opportunity in crypto to report on some irs suing some 12 year old kid for stop, millions of stop dollars downing the taxes no no one wants to hear about taxes david let's get to jobs all right jobs. because there's opportunities for you to get a job in crypto it's our weekly time to remind you that crypto is hiring and you should stop what you're doing you should take a look get a job consider getting a job in crypto. Uh, number one, bankless script writer. I'm going to read a few of these out. Number Write two, Swell scripts. Network. They need a senior smart contract engineer. Swell also needs a front engine and engineer and a back end engineer. Uniswap Labs needs a director of product management. OpenHedge, a senior front end engineer. Optimism, head of security. Optimism, senior infrastructure engineer. I could go on, but I don't need to because you can get these in your inbox. If you subscribe to bankless.palette.com slash jobs, uh, you can see all of that. David, what do we have coming up next? Coming up next, we got takes of the week, some more Twitter takes, uh, but also some legal takes as well, some regulatory takes. Uh, and then we got what we are bullish on, and Ryan is bullish on something that perked my ears. So we are going to stick <sighs> around for all of Made this and more right after we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. We're back with the takes of the week. This is a tweet from Ron Hammond. David, this is based on our episode, which I feel like was the episode watched around the world, listened to around the world, yeah. our uh, debate on Bankless between SBF and Eric Voorhees. If you haven't caught that, go listen to it. Podcast, 60, YouTube. 60,000 people have watched that so far. Yeah. And I think the where it's echoed and where it's influenced has also been pretty crazy. This is a tweet from Ron Hammond about that episode. This week in Congress and Crypto, it is not too often a podcast is the talk of the town in D.C., but the bankless debate between SBF and Voorhees was just that. As a former Hill staffer who worked on crypto legislation and current lobbyists, that's who the originator of the thread is, Ron Hammond, here are some thoughts. He says, number one, there are a number of reasons why crypto policy realm is unique on Capitol Hill, but one element that I can see time and time again is the pop culture and fast-paced nature of it. The bankless team did a great job mm. marketing this as the can't miss event and few did i agree 
everyone <laughs> in crypto still all, all <laughs> no. the all the no i mean all the settlers everyone was still here in crypto <laughs> watch that episode after chatting with a few staffers and dc policy folks over the weekend the general consensus was that at a high level both did a good job that's both sbf and Voorhees representing the two camps in crypto on the dccpa crypto regulation generally many found their views in the middle of the two that is interesting some things that resonated before he said, if you aren't at the table, you're on the menu. Actually, I think you said that, but yeah. th uh, that is largely true. And the industry has recognized that since the infrastructure bill, the number of resources has tripled in a year. Mm. Crypto like lobbying that. is a stronger force. Ooh, love that. SBF made a good point on lobbying efforts in the past, like BitLicense. Most times a lawmaker will tell staff, I want a bill that does X, Y, Z, and the staff engages with the industry and others to craft it. Policy folks work to improve the bill, but rarely do they write it? Did you know that, by the way? I did not know that. Yeah, the lawmaker just goes, I want a bill that does X, Y, Z, and the staff is actually the one that writes it, and they engage with industry in order to do that. That's how bills uh, actually get made in the trenches. Many in the industry tend to go straight to the lawmaker for tweaks to the bill, but most times the member doesn't grasp everything because he she is extremely busy, and it is a complex topic. Usually, it is just one or two staffers in their 20s or 30s who hold the pen. Do you know that, David? That's, is that comforting I'm, to you? I, that's not comforting. <laughs> But maybe it is in a way, right? Because like we have like a largely geriatric uh, set I of lawmakers so. and I then we so. have those in their 20s and 30s who are holding the pen. Millennials whispering in their ear, I guess. I so. mean, these are Zoomers. If you're in your yeah. early 20s, some yeah. industry folks uh, refuse to engage. That's on not comforting. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, there's some uh, generational maximalism here. Uh, some industry folks uh, refuse to engage on any sort of crypto legislation that's potentially detrimental because it is easier to fight someone, uh, something than to work to improve it. That is usually a bad tactic because the issue area is so tough. Many times there are unintended issues. Therefore, while engaging with staff, being respectful is important. SBF harped this well. I think that is one thing SBF mm -hmm. emphasized, David, was he, he kept saying to Eric, but it was about respect. And Eric's like, but you're compromising too early. And he's like, but you have to show respect and you have to show that you're willing to compromise in order to get that seat and earn that right. seat at the table. Ron says, it may sound weird, but the Hill does have its own language, similar to how crypto Twitter has its own language and culture. Did you know that? That's an interesting point. No, this thread was extremely informative. Education leads to good policy. Staffers have a lot of other issues in financial services alone to deal with, um, like fiscal policy, budget, bank regulation. To bring everyone up to speed in a week before a vote is tough, so you gotta educate early and often. I think we are doing that. Finally, there are a lot of conversations in DC regarding extremes. Staffers here all the time. If this bill is signed into law, X disastrous thing will happen. These arguments are always worst case scenario and after a while fall flat, saying this will kill DeFi won't help. That's interesting mm. because I do say that. that is <laughs> and Eric said that because I yeah. feel like that's a legit take. But right. also, if I it get, get the point. If yeah. a take is overused, then it starts right. to fall. Because imagine a whole bunch of lobbyists right. from every industry saying anything that you propose will kill your industry. Right. They it's, hear the this sky all the is time. Falling. The sky is falling. Yeah. Exactly. When staffers hear that kill DeFi talking point, they naturally go to, what is DeFi? I know that may sound trivial, but for a committee that largely deals with rural development, biotech, and forestry, that's the ag community, uh, committee, by the way. This is where... Yeah. The DCCPA bill originates, the Ag Committee, Agriculture. Uh, DeFi isn't common that common of a topic. Uh, anyway, um, this last this last tweet maybe was uh, was the most fun of this thread. Is worth uh, commending those involved with the podcast, Bankless, etc., uh, for facilitating a great dialogue. This is it. Weird to think that this 
podcast was a hot topic in DC this weekend, but in the words of an overhearing staffer, not sure what y'all said, but sounds cool. Now I want to work on crypto. <laughs> yes. Nice. Yes. <laughs> Good memes. Good memes. Memes exactly incepted into the brain. <laughs> now uh, I want to work on crypto. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome Vitalik had some uh, takes about regulatory too. Do you want to yeah. read out yeah, what he said? Yeah. This was Vitalik's kind of response to this like uh, conversation about like, re regulation. And he goes, should I publicly blab my opinions about crypto regulation more? Feels unfair to let other people get attacked by crypto titter, but never actually poke out my poke out my head. Uh, and so Vital uh, everyone obviously wants Vitalik. Yes, takes. we do want your takes. Yeah, we, we do want that. Um, he's actually decently up to speed with like regulation and like legal theory. Uh, and so like Vitalik can speak legal. He's theory, up for to sure. speed on almost everything. That's true. This is true. This is true. Do you want to read out his uh, his takes here? Because he puts yeah, them in the sure, sure. I'll keep on going. Uh, so first, he says that he's already given out his take on mixers and privacy in a recent Coinbase podcast two months ago around the block. Uh, so there's that. Uh, he goes, another maybe controversial take of mine is I don't think we should be enthusiastically pursuing large institutional capital at full speed. I'm actually kind of happy a lot of the ETFs are getting delayed. The ecosystem needs time to mature before we get even more attention. That's interesting. What do you think about that? He gave us that take on a recent podcast. Uh, I think it's a fair take. Uh, so, there's trade-offs. There's trade-offs. So Gensler, um, uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. Uh, well, no, <laughs> I don't want to say that. Um, What's next? Basically, especially at this time, regulation that leaves the crypto space free to act internally but makes it harder for crypto projects to reach mainstream is much less bad than regulation that intrudes on how crypto works internally. Yep. I definitely agree with that. Um, the KYC on DeFi front ends idea does not seem very pointful to me. It would annoy users but do nothing against hackers. Hackers write custom code to interact with contracts already. Exchanges are clearly a much more sensible place to do the KYC. That's already happening. That is a great take. That's a sensible That's take. That's a Isn't great it? take. Very practical and pragmatic. Right. KYC on front ends only hurts the, the least technical people of the world the most technical people the people the who hacker, need an interface the, the yes the people that need help the people that don't need help the people that have the capacity to do harm don't need the interface that's a great point so you're just blocking the people that need help that's it was not a point that explicitly Voorhees made mm -hmm. but i think is a fantastic follow-up point Regulations on DeFi front ends that could be more helpful may include limits on leverage, requiring transparency for what audits uh, or other security checks were done on contract code, and usage gated by knowledge-based tests instead of plutocratic net worth minimum rules. I love this. I love the idea of a totally permissionless, fully on steroids, full tilt DeFi app have a front end gated where like this DeFi app will let you take a thousand X leverage, but the front end only lets you take three X. And so, like, if you want to take a thousand X, you have to go, like, actually get technical and go do it yourself. I love that. I love that idea. Yeah, I think that makes more sense. And then, of course, like, you know, the plutocratic net worth, right? Accredited investors, unless you're an accredited investor in the U.S., unless you have a million, over a million dollars uh, in net worth, you can't get in a whole bunch of the, the deals. It's just a plut plutocratic gate. Why not make the gate more, like, education-based, right? That's what right. he's saying here, too. Yeah. Last take. Also, I would love to see rules written in such a way that requirements can be satisfied by zero knowledge proofs as much as possible. ZK proofs offer lots of opportunity to satisfy regulatory policy goals and preserve privacy at the same time. We should take advantage of this. Oh, that was such a soulbound token, Maxi. Take. Oh, gosh. Come on. These are great takes. And, you know, uh, Vitalik, as always, is reasoned and measured. And uh, I would like to hear him publicly blab on his opinions about crypto regulation more. So I'm glad I mean, he did. I'll take, I'll take any public Vitalik blabs. 
what you got here, David? This is a a blab from David. Here's here's my blab, unrelated to legal stuff. I say, the future of verified accounts, this is going back to the Twitter checkmark, is not going to be a top-down, centrally permissioned system. The times, they are (laughs) a-changing. Bottom-up, community-oriented mechanisms are in. All right, Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan, the uh, future of verified accounts. Uh-huh. Let's go. All right. What are you uh, What are you excited about this week, David? What are you bullish on? Uh, I am bullish on Ryan, the OP stack, because you know how Ethereum is is going modular. Yes. Doing doing the whole modularity thing. Well, so is all of Ethereum layer twos, uh, and the OP stack, Ryan, Optimism is like is what OP stands for. Layer layer twos. My my idea, my claim, and what this is what I'm bullish on is that layer twos are also going modular, and the OP stack is one to be going to be the great like motivators to get this done. So layer twos are also going to be broken apart into their component parts, and this is what the OP stack is. It's like the scaffolding. And for people who don't know, OP does stand for optimism. Yes, yes, yes it does. Okay, okay. Yes, it does. OP stack. The optimism OP stack is this like scaffolding for modular layer twos, uh, and so the idea is like the secret sauce of all these layer twos are going to be broken into little modules like Arbitrum's fraud proofs, Optimism's fraud proofs, ZK Sync's prover. Uh, where's the data held? Is it is it off chain on Arweave? Is it on chain like a roll up? And so the the all of the ingredients that make up a layer two are going to be broken apart into little modules. L two Legos. L two Legos. L two chain Legos. <laughs> okay. And OP the OP stack is like the build a build a bear workshop, the build a layer two workshop <laughs> for like stitching all of these layer two modules into each other. And so it's like this abstraction layer that allows the modules to interoperate with each other on like a seamless way. And so what's happening here is we're breaking layer twos into their minimum viable component parts, like tiny little genes. Some genes and these genes are going to compete. And so the, uh, this is a reference to like Richard selfish Dawkins' gene. selfish gene. Like once we can break apart layer twos into their modules, it's not the layer twos that fight anymore. It's not these monolithic, very like vertical layer twos that fight in these layer two wars. It's the modules that fight, the little genes that fight. And like these layer two teams are just competing to put out the best genes into the marketplace. that's better because we get progress that much faster. Faster evolution, faster progress. We get the, it's, it, the OP stack is like the ERC-20 token standard of layer twos. And so like I'm bullish on this Cambrian explosion of many different layer twos from all of these different permutations of modules that could be com- put together. And that's what really just like gets my juices flowing, Ryan, is when I see like this is uh, David's uh, next first money Legos. Bi- biomimicry, exactly. Biomimicry, composability, and competition in the market, which is what DeFi is. It's like the biggest competition marketplace of all time. Uh, and it's the same thing as like the survival of the fittest. But now we have like modular layer twos and the little modules and fight over each other. You like that's what I'm bullish. You on. like little things fighting, don't you? Like little oh, tiny yes. Legos. Like, yeah, and yeah, this is Ethereum. It's like, oh, now. all you little DeFi apps, fight over my ETH. <laughs> fight, fight, for fight, me. <laughs> fight. Exactly, fight, fight for my money. That's Anyways, great. that's what I'm excited about. What are you excited about, Ryan? Music NFTs, David. No fucking way. <laughs> I'm excited about music what? NFTs this week. So, David, the uh, the Bankless team put together a newsletter issue titled a bankless newsletter issue titled finding the x copy of music nfts x copy of course is a famous nft artist uh, sells one of ones and the question is if like it's so early stage in music nfts can you find the next x copy oh by the way i watched this video too by the, my my friend mm. david hoffman also made mm. me bullish on top of this but i watched that video after i read this post and made some <laughs> purchases finding the x copy of music nfts and so i decided to do some exploration myself i went to sound i researched some of these artists and I found some things that I liked. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, largely they were suggestions on this article. Okay, okay. so I'm still That's curating fine. my own taste. Somewhere. All right, so I'm aping the taste of others as a first step. But um, it was really fun. Like the process of going to Sound and OpenSea and actually purchasing some NFTs. Like here's kind of an NFT wallet I have and a few you know collection that I'm starting to build. Uh, it was fun. It was easy. Uh, when you pair that with what uh, your video was saying, what the Cooper was saying about like a stock market for uh, music NFTs and for artists, another mechanism for compensation. Like I was researching right. these artists. I mean, these are not like the Taylor Swifts of the world. These are mm. kind of like small time artists with like fantastic music. And yeah. what they can do is they can use web two and Spotify as the distribution mechanism, but use NFTs as part of their monetization mechanism right. yeah. to find their true fans. And I'm just repeating back what, uh, what you are saying to me, I feel like, and what Cooper mm -hmm. is also saying, but I guess there's a difference between hearing it and actually doing Believing it and building it, yeah. a collection. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, um, I don't know. It just feels like one of those things that's, um, obvious. And it's obvious mm -hmm. because it was fun. Um, I'm convicted. There's a monetization mechanism. I think this is going to be big. And uh, when that that tweet was uh, put out, I think Bakeless put out the tweet and like, a bunch of people are like, I don't think NFTs are going to take off at all. Like, um, why? Because the only reason JPEGs have taken off is because they're so easily shareable on like social right, media, on, on Twitter, yeah. and they're viral. And sound requires like a music NFT to, you know, it's a three minute song or whatever else. I'm like, I've, right. I, it just echoed of what I've heard in the past of like right. all three years ago, two years ago, all the 10,000 reasons why JPEGs would never take off in the NFT world. Right. Exact same sorts of arguments, right? Uh, and I don't know. So I feel like it's super obvious. I've, I've switched on to bullish maybe because I built my own, uh, starting to build my own collection. Um, <laughs> and it's just like a lot of fun, honestly. So, um, the most fun I've had in crypto in the last month, I would say that's why I'm bullish. Hey, fun is a huge alpha indicator. So if <clears throat> right? you're having fun, like that, that's how you know. And like, I, I, I was definitely one of those people that was like music NFTs are just bearish in comparison to JPEGs uh, because JPEGs, you can see it all like that, all like instantaneously, right? A, a picture is worth a thousand words. You see the picture and you like the picture. And, but like for a music NFT, you have to listen to it for three minutes to determine if you like the NFT or not. And so yeah. that's too slow. That's not viral. I used to be one of those people, but then like the response of like, bro, it's music. Like Don't I, overthink when, it. when you and I are not in zoom, Ryan doing pankless stuff, there's music playing in my apartment. Oh yeah. All of the time. Yeah. And you're all attached the to these artists too. Yes. Yes. And so like, like is there any creator that you're more attached to any artist that you're more attached to than there's kind of no a, visual artist that I'm more attached to than, and like exactly. uh, my top 50 music artists. Totally. It's not even, and close. like, that's all it, that's all it takes. You want a right? piece of and that. So, you want a piece yeah. of their community. You want to bet on these artists too. Mm -hmm. Like your tastes, right? Like David has great taste yeah. in music. Right. And I then, do. so I, he, he knows he does. So <laughs> now you can bet on it. We'll see what the rest <laughs> of the world thinks. I think the rest of the world likes the cheap dogs. So I have my <laughs> N NFT frame. And I have to go turn on my NFT frame to to uh, to go Enjoy. look at my my visual NFTs. Yeah, and like I mean, I'll go do it. I also have to go turn on like my speakers to listen to music. But I turn on my speakers every single damn day. Yeah, and so like again, like don't overthink it. It's music. Well, here's like, the there's thing. a reason why we call it the Billboard Top Charts. Guess like the Billboard I, Top Charts is just like the precursor of the future stock market for music. Guess what I was doing in 2020 uh, when we had those episodes and people are giving the bull case for NFTs like before they were a thing, before Jimmy Fallon or anyone in the world cared, right? Uh, I was overthinking JPEGs yeah. a lot. Yeah. And I was like, but right click save. Right. You know? And then right. 
I'm not going to make the same mistake, right? Like this is just, it's yeah. fun, right? It's, it's pretty easy. It's Gobbling pretty easy. art it feels is like a fun. Goo is fun. This is fun. Music NFTs. Uh, anyway, bullish this week, David, you got should, me. Should we be the first ones to make uh, music gobblers? <sighs> music gobblers? <laughs> music gobblers. <laughs> I don't have any music. I'm, this is not my talent. But we'll do a podcast <laughs> NFT that can gobble other podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we yeah, do yeah. that. Uh, I think we can. All right. It's me of the week time. You've heard what we're bullish about. What, uh, what is this from Jameson Lop? The good old Jameson Lop. Yeah. This is the, the shrew meme and it's the European Wait, the Union. Wait, meme. What did I say? Shrew? Jesus. Yeah. Gru. This is Gru. Uh, <laughs> Gru, from uh, the, Gru is the European Union pointing to his poster saying, Bitcoin is too volatile. Also saying, next panel, Bitcoin cannot be a currency. The EU finishes the third panel saying, our job is to maintain the value of the currency. And then the fourth panel is a chart of the euro to the dollar. And it is down bad, down real bad. And it's probably more volatile than Bitcoin these days because Bitcoin is super steady. We're not finding risk-free money anywhere these days. It's volatility yeah, all around. Sure. Uh, all right, risks and disclaimers, guys. End of the show. Thanks for hanging with us. Of course, got to let you know, crypto is risky. You could lose what you put in, but we're headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot. Hey, we hope you enjoyed the video. If you did, head over to Bankless HQ right now to develop your crypto investing skills and learn how to free yourself from banks and gain your financial independence. We recommend joining our daily newsletter, podcast, and community as a Bankless Premium subscriber to get the most out of your Bankless experience. You'll get access to our market analysis, our alpha leaks, and exclusive content, and even the Bankless token for airdrops, raffles, and unlocks. If you're interested in crypto, the Bankless community is where you want to be. Click the link in the description to become a Bankless Premium subscriber today. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel for in-depth interviews with industry leaders, Ask Me Anythings, and weekly roll-ups where we summarize the week in crypto and other fantastic content. Thanks everyone for watching and being on the journey as we build out the Bankless Nation.